Jerry Chisholm is the Lady Sensei and she is the director of the Women's Martial Arts Network and I'm talking to her now. Jerry, how are you? I am doing so great, Paul. Thank you so much. How are you guys going over in Wales right now? Yeah, it's the, the, the weather's been kind to us, so lockdown has been better than it could otherwise have been had the weather not been so kind, but um, we're still quite locked down. We're still, the university's still closed. Um, <sighs> Life is inching its way back to normal, but how is it there for you in New York? We've got so many different levels going on here. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have the, not only just the virus, um, we're, we're getting back to normal. New York City yeah. is actually reopening and uh, incrementally. And everybody's pretty excited about that. Um, it seems like it's been a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And and at at right about fifty eight years old, I have never seen people not on the streets of yeah. New York in broad daylight at twelve noon in Chinatown, in yeah. downtown Manhattan. So I've been doing a a pictorial. Okay. Great. Time you know, as I've been out and about. Um, it was scary for a while. Yeah. Because you, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and compounding that, we've had the, the death of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd just take everything to another level. You know, and so there's been a lot of kindling, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And um, and and like you said, like just when you think things hit a glass ceiling, they burst through that, yeah. and there's a ceiling over the ceiling over the ceiling. Yeah. So we we are recording this on the 9th of June, 2020, and uh, it will go live in a week or two after this. But um, I mean, things seem to be changing really fast with, you know, New York was first hit with such a bad, bad case of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, and, and then there've been demonstrations about racism, anti-racism, anti-police brutality and so on. And, and, and it seems looking at it from Britain, like it's just been wave after wave of, 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 of like tumultuous, scary events. How, how does it feel at the moment? The pandemic seems to be under control. How are the, how, how is the, the racial tension or the, the, the political tension, the police and protester tension? How is, how is that panning out at the moment? So, so I'm in a residential neighborhood. Uh, I'm very close to the Barclay Center, but still in a residential neighborhood. And uh, Scott was on the telephone last night talking to some of our friends from Canada. And all of a sudden, there are 500 people walking past saying, no justice, no peace. Wow. Like it's so far into the interior of, of New York, into the interior of this country. And we've scarcely had an opportunity to catch our breath. Yeah. Um, the coronavirus has killed so many of our friends. Like if you're if you're a New Yorker, 
This virus has touched you in one way or another. It's killed someone from your church, someone from where you work, somewhere from your family, your fraternity, your neighbor, your church. This this virus has touched New York in a way like nothing else has brought us into, um, Mm -hmm. into an awareness of our own humanity and how fragile our existence really is. Um, we've buried family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I had a, um, a memorial out in the parking lot of our hospital because 12 of my coworkers died mm-hmm. in the virus. Um, mm-hmm. I look out of the window at work and we have trailers, refrigerated trailers, because our hospital that's large enough, there are 5,000 of us that work at the hospital. So that gives you an idea of how huge our uh, hospital is. Mm-hmm. They have three trailers outside the window because our hospital cannot even facilitate mm-hmm. the number of dead. And they would hook one up, take it away, and put in a new one. And there's that horrible hum. Mm-hmm. And when you go to funerals here, you, you go to the mortuary or to the funeral home. And outside of the funeral home, they have a refrigerated mm-hmm. truck mm-hmm. with more bodies because they can't fit them all into. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been devastating for us. Uh, for me personally, yeah. uh, I've lost family and friends. Uh, it's been shocking. It's been surreal. It's, it's, it's nightmarish. And then I go to work as a first responder. So I saved the picture to show you what I look like when I go to work. So, so people see the, the lady sensei thing, but this is what I want to show you. Yeah, I can see that. Can you? Yeah, that's clear. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So, so the threat is real. Uh, and I'm really close to it every day to make sure um, that I don't bring it home to my family. Yeah. You know, um, the, the racial environment, um, you know, it's, it's a glass half full. Mm-hmm. And it's a glass half empty. There are those of us who have been living in this consciousness all of our lives. And the demonstrating that the young people are doing, I did it in my 20s, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. I am probably 10 years old the first time uh, I saw a police officer shoot a black child in the head and then planted a gun on the child. So we're talking now 1971, 72, Paul, somewhere back in there. Okay. And this is an old story. Yeah. It's an old story, it's an old way uh, that needs to be eradicated. Yeah. And my heart is full watching the young people take the reins of their world. Yeah. They have the, the benefit of the internet and so many different ways that they can communicate and organize. Uh, My generation had to 
go to the church to meet, to talk, to pass out flyers in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. Today, the kids do this, yeah. and they're there. So it's a beautiful thing uh, to watch the young people uh, take control of their world. And so at, at, at 58, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm living long enough to see change coming. We never thought, most of us never thought that we would see such a day. And it's an overwhelming day. Mm-hmm. It's like, it wasn't just here. It wasn't just there. It's like the it was cataclysmic, you know? And I just think um, it's the perfect time in human history where people are locking arms now. And, and we're all really seeing that our unity is greater than the politics that can divide us. So I'm excited about the possibilities of what's happening. So um, we, I mean, this is the Martial Arts Studies podcast, so we should, uh, we should. Sure. I mean, with it, against this backdrop and against this, that, so right. we've, now got, we've got the pandemic backdrop and we've got the, the, the political um, and racial and protest militancy backdrop and the severity of the issues. Uh, I mean, how is that affecting you as a martial arts practitioner, as a teacher, and, and how does it impact on the, the women's martial arts network? So, it, concerning the martial arts, um, it's not a discussion we're having I think in the ways that we should have them. I think people are just kind of like posting their feelings, but we're not having discussions about it. Uh, we, we, we cross train with great diversity here, but it's the pink elephant in the room. And we're not having as many conversations as I would like to see happen. In the interim, the the virus uh, is making us train um, virtual. Mm -hmm. And before we start class, we talk about how everyone is doing emotionally, you know, and spiritually with what's going on before we even get a chance to train. Because in the beginning was so frightening because like, where is this going? Is this going to martial law? Is this going to anarchy? You know, everyone was frightened. People losing their livelihoods. Dojos are closing across the country. Uh, People are trying to fundraise to save their schools. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, gravity here concerning the martial arts. Mm-hmm. So, so you, 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 you want. Yeah, I think we've frozen. We're staying together for the discipline. Yeah. We're staying together for the support. And, and as we're coming through uh, the COVID crises, we are, um, the, the the atmosphere is loosening up, you know, because we 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 see the light, if you will, 
-hmm. at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So everyone is training in their homes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to hear of people going out into the park, not in New York per se, mm -hmm. you know, but in other places in the United States, people are going out into the parks, to the beaches, mm -hmm. to train. Mm -hmm. um, concerning the martial arts, we're realizing uh, how experiential the martial arts are. And what we've pondered is we couldn't accept new people. We had to go with those who already had an experiential database for jujitsu because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hands-on mm -hmm. art form. So you can't explain away jujitsu yeah. and have people become proficient. So we had to look at our arts and say, okay, what can we reinforce um, and how can we drill down, mm. you know, by virtual learning? So it's, that's been interesting because that's like really reorganized the way we see teaching, mm -hmm. um, the, way we, the, the way we augment our progression in, in teaching a lesson has been very interesting. Mm -hmm. We've had to go slower. It makes us have to go slower. Yeah. Um, and, and it introduces technology into art forms that are in some cases, hundreds and thousands of years old. It's like, talk about the old meeting the new. It's, it's okay. been really interesting. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to share a screen and I'm going to share your website, which is, um, ladysensei.com. You, you, you work under the, the name Lady Sensei and you, you teach, you do public speaking, um, you've attended some martial arts studies conferences as well, and you set up the Women's Martial Arts Network. Could you, would you, I mean, it's a great website. It's got, I mean, it's got some amazing pictures and lots of information. And, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's really nicely done. But could you just tell us um, a little bit about the, the, Women's Martial Arts Network. What's the aim? What's the hope? What do you do? How does it work? So the Women's Martial Arts Network is, is, is birthed out of a lack of seeing enough of myself, seeing enough of women's accomplishments, not seeing enough contributions, that women make, not seeing enough opportunities mm -hmm. for women in the martial arts. Uh, when I look at the, when I looked at the, uh, I, 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 I got tired of being the only woman at a seminar. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, where are the women? Just like, where are, the women, we've been training also. So you figure we're training, the, the martial arts are like at least a hundred years or more in North America. But he who controls the visuals controls the narrative. Mm -hmm. He who controls the images controls the mind. And the, the current narrative, um, we're breaking through glass ceilings. Mm -hmm. that have existed for decades mm -hmm. here in the martial arts. Mm -hmm. And as a woman practitioner, I didn't have any role models to pattern 
myself after. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to blaze your own trail in life. Uh, sometimes you're fortunate enough to find a path that someone else has created, but that wasn't my experience. And then, you know, uh, the, 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 the literature, the, the magazines, they're all male dominated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the women's network said, Hey, we have voices and skill sets and mm-hmm. systems and we are champions and we are contributors and we're writers and we're instructors and 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 that voice isn't being heard okay Even so where is it not being heard do you think that it's not being heard uh in mainstream media do you think it's not being heard in education or do you, do you think it's not being heard in the martial arts community itself well i mean where is the where's the silence where are the main deafening silences that you want to kind of penetrate? Um, my, my concern is that another generation of us will die off mm-hmm. and not be replaced. Mm-hmm. And so the difference, you know, some people are going to say, oh, but, you know, women have been organizing since the 70s. That may be true but I still don't see myself. Okay. Okay. I still don't see myself in those numbers. Yeah. Uh, And, and the women's martial arts um, network is not a feminist organization. Okay. The women's martial arts network partners with anyone who wants to lift the women in the martial arts where we don't have uh, the gender per se uh, politics that we don't want men's help and, and we want equality. And we know that that's, that's not what we're saying. We're saying if you believe that women have made contributions and have accomplishments in the martial arts that should be seen and heard more than they are, please join us. We're a gender inclusive organization. Yeah. Uh, we don't make those sorts of distinctions. We don't even say you have to be a martial artist. Mm-hmm. It's a community. It's a world community mm-hmm. of enthusiasts. It's not just a women's organization. We have men who belong to the Women's Martial Arts Network who support us. Yeah. So I remember we, so we met um, for the second or third time last year at the conference in California. And um and you gave a paper on on Black Panther and, uh, and and kind of female role models, and you you clearly loved that film, and and you talked about it, and you gave a presentation, and afterwards I kind of blurted out, but it it's not that good a film, <laughs> it's not that good, and you, you were and your answer was quite was quite um, brilliant. It was kind of like. Because your what your your argument wasn't about the film; it was about the females in the film. And yes. your point was, it's not for you on that level in that respect. <laughs> and you were like, this is a unique film. It's an action film. It's a big budget blockbuster Hollywood film. And finally, we see some women that speak to me that communicate with. The, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's like um, there's a um, an author here, um, Dr. Seuss, who wrote children's books. Oh yeah. yeah. And 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 there was a story, and the people were saying, "We're here, we're here, we're here," and it's like, and that's what uh, Black Panther was for us as African American women or should I say even women of color as warriors, we're here. But we're absent the narrative. If you Google us, we're absent the world's largest search engine. Like we're absent. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's a narrative that is told from our perspective. We had a chance to write our own narrative. And it was, it was, it was just nothing like it in our world ever. You don't have to have, you know, as, as a non-Black person, you don't even see the world in terms of positive images, seeing positive images of men who look like you. That's, that, it doesn't even cross your mind. Yeah. You understand? It doesn't for three seconds ever cross your mind. Yeah. And, um, that moment, all I could tell you is it was just the greatest love story. As a woman of the arts, yeah. it was the greatest love letter written to me I had ever seen. <laughs> and because the child in me missed being able to embrace seeing Shiro's, I'm 50-something years old, and the child in me embraced it. And, and, and we'll just never forget it. And, and if you don't share a certain type of filters, you'll just never get it. And you just have to trust me when I tell you, you know, that it was the most beautiful and spectacular thing that I saw myself as a woman warrior. So the, the first time that we met um, was again at a, at a conference and you um, gave a talk and it was really about the, the talk was about being a survivor and 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 um, experiencing um, abuse and experiencing violence and the martial arts were your a big part of your path to uh, transcend that and to grow and to and to survive and to and to flourish and so you've just said that you know you look at a film like Black Panther and it speaks to the delight and the joy and the child inside of you and it's almost like for you you've got the martial arts your turn to martial arts in your life was for the most serious of reasons but also within that process it gives you it gives you joy and delight and it gives you a kind of a, it gives you back something of your childhood. Would that would that be fair to say? It it covers. That would be very. That's a very good capture you have. Um, if and these are these are the filters that people, non-black people, don't have. When you think that we've been in a country for four hundred years, and that I could grow up as a child and not see black children in a positive light that I could grow up and not see black women sheroes. And when you talk about uh, cartoons and superheroes and things, children imitate those, those virtues of superheroes, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I, I had an opportunity to see mm -hmm. in this world. Mm -hmm. And it would take 50 some odd years before yeah. I could see that. So 
And, but that's in every theater of life. What, what life shows me outside of the martial arts is I can be an entertainer or I can be an athlete. Yeah. Pretty much. And so even right now to come to the martial arts, to hold an academic discussion, to have a technical discussion, people are not accustomed to my appearance or a voice at the table. If you will, I can discuss technique. I can discuss martial science. I can discuss academia, but that is not what people are accustomed to, you know, in the martial arts. Uh, and so I, I took those experiences and, and I use them, I use pain to become productive, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. in the martial arts. And I think the martial arts are virtuous. There's, there are, there's just like a plethora of benefits Mm -hmm. that I believe women can get Mm -hmm. from the martial arts. But guess what? Men get the same plethora of benefits. And what we don't talk about is that men come to the martial arts to avoid trauma and because they've been traumatized too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the narrative makes it appear that it is just women who come for those reasons. And we don't talk about men who have been robbed, who have been jumped, who have been injured, who are afraid of that happening and come to the martial arts. So, so we need to open up that discussion as well. Yeah, I think, I, I, I mean, I, I think I, I've talked about this a lot. I think that my journey started with fascination and, and fear, like fear of the, the, des, the desire to be invincible like Bruce Lee. You know, Bruce Lee showed something uh, that spoke to, and the, thing, the unique thing about Bruce Lee, of course, was that he spoke to all the ethnicities because, yeah, he wasn't black, but he, he very much wasn't white, right? And, sure. um, and so, so, so that, but he also promised that kind of invincibility that was both a desire, but also helped you to get further away from a fear. Um, so I think that um, that's very true. But something that my research has, uh, I was doing some research uh, a while ago, and um, it will appear in a book soon enough. And it was about the appearance of the status of martial arts in popular culture. And what I found in my research was that if you see, for example, like martial arts in, in a music video, right? If it's a kind of maybe a white band, like maybe if it's the karate rap, right? Or something like this in the 80s. It's a joke, like it's something to laugh about. But if you dig deep into the hip hop and rap communities um, and the artists there, they'll often speak passionately about this was a source of values. This, this, this was a class thing, like they came from poor backgrounds with, with often d- destroyed family and social structure because of economic reasons. And, and what they found in kind of martial arts films and, and martial arts ethics were, 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 was precisely a way to live and a way to make yourself uh, into a, an, like an honorable ethical being. No. I, I, have a, I have a different uh, observation. I, I see those observations that you're making, um, but I have a, a, a different, I have a different lens, if you will. So this is why conversation is great. Um, I distinctly remember as a child watching Bruce Lee. And for, for, for many of us, we watched Bruce Lee fight racism and bigotry. Mm. You understand? 
he was fighting racism and bigotry against his people. Yeah. And we hadn't seen the civil rights taken into yeah. that kind of context. Yeah. For us as urban kids, the movies uh, had urban context to them. And we were like, he is really kicking the bad guys behind. Did I tell you? I, I, did I tell you? I think I might have mentioned this to you. First time, the first and only time I went to New York, right? And I was in a bar and I was talking to academic colleagues. And one guy I just, I think I told you this story. And, and, and he said, what are you doing? He said, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to appear in a documentary about Bruce Lee. And, uh, and the guy behind the bar was an old black guy, like big old black guy. And, and, and the, 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 the Chinese professor who I was talking to was going, why would anyone make a documentary about Bruce Lee? And the barman went, man, we thought he was the best. Like he was the, and it, like the, the barman got it. The professor, the, the professor couldn't get it. He just like, what's Less this? Hot. But like in but like he, he Bruce Lee resounded, didn't he? That like his because Bruce Lee was discriminated against, uh, and Bruce Lee was able to do something about it. Bruce Lee gave us instant gratification that marching couldn't give us here, that protesting couldn't give us here. Bruce could just like lower his center of gravity and whip some ass, and that was it. Yeah. You know, and, and who doesn't think that when someone is oppressing you, you know, that you could just put your foot in his mouth, you know, and they mocked him and they mocked his people and they mocked his culture. Mm -hmm. And he would just really calmly put his foot in their face and, you know, break them up. And so who doesn't dream of yeah. doing that to someone who mistreats you? Yeah. Um, so as a kid, you know, we didn't have uh images because we we did not control cinema mm. we didn't control the narrative and so as children as as small black children it was the black martial artists who were our real life long before bruce ever showed up mm. those were our superheroes people like my teacher that go back to the 50s and dr moses powell and uh, uh, Grandmaster uh, Tom the Puppet, who was in part responsible for getting karate into the Olympics, and and uh, Shidoshi Ron Van Cleef, the Black Dragon. These were our superheroes where little white children had Superman and Captain America, and they had Thor, and they had all of these people. So we didn't have that on television and movies. So in our neighborhood, the dojos in our neighborhood, like these guys were really about it. You know, they were built, they could actually execute. And, and so for us, you know, they, they were the ones who made our eyes sparkle. Mm -hmm. You know, people will tell you fondly remembering seeing all of these people at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. To fill capacity, you would have thought that LeBron James or you know, Michael Jordan was there. And this is the stature that black martial artists had for us. So by the time, it's just that those, those martial artists from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s did not get the same exposure and opportunity that Bruce got. There were many who were just as good, who were just as revered in their community, 
as Bruce was revered in his. But that was the luck of the draw, and that was, I'm not saying that, that, that racism, you know, didn't have its measure in images in, in cinema and martial arts and magazines and, you know, all of these mediums. Mm -hmm. um, but, but Bruce Lee came along just like the internet has come along now. He, it was his luck of the draw. He was on that cutting edge. Mm -hmm. you know, where his perfect storm gave him a platform mm -hmm. and those who could support it and present that platform. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there is a such thing as a perfect storm. I'm not more experienced. I'm not more well-known. There are plenty of, of Black women who are more well-known, who have done tremendous things in the martial arts. Mm -hmm. But my luck of the draw is I didn't come along in the 60s and the 70s I came along at a time where we have the internet, mm -hmm. you know, where I can reach a broader audience. And that's what Bruce did. He, he mm -hmm. reached a very broad audience of urban children. And you have just, uh, you've received some publicity recently. You, you got a, was it a double page spread or a front page spread on a, one of our esteemed martial arts? Embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I've been so busy with this coronavirus, I just read it before I spoke to you. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, the June, yeah. Ju July uh, cover of Black Belt Magazine. Oh, magazine, yeah. And they gave me uh, two pages. Yeah. And so Mark Jacobs was the writer, and I really, really appreciate his thoughtfulness in putting this together. And I really appreciate Black Belt Magazine reaching out to me. Uh, they've been very supportive of uh, the work of Lady Sensei and the Women's Martial Arts Network. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we had like the largest uh, women's martial arts gathering planned <laughs> and like 10 days before yeah. the event we went through a windshield called coronavirus yeah and shelter in place and um and they were helping at that point uh helping us to publicize that event okay. and um it's and great so, though isn't it i mean it's it's great when a, a magazine that you that you grew up with and that you that you i mean i i once was interviewed for uh martial arts illustrated which is a british one that that ran through the kind of uh 80s 90s <laughs> for me it was like the high point of my career like because i used to go to the news agent and buy that and like read it and yes. go wow look at these people and yeah then, it's um <laughs> It's a humbling experience. Um, I think, I think 2020 is introducing a more diverse audience um, because, by and large, martial arts magazines still are more prominently male than female. So I salute and congratulate. Uh, Black Belt Magazine on the work that they're doing to help catapult women to the front. I think it's time. I think uh, the world that we live in makes it even more urgent 
that we bring more voices to the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Black Belt Magazine is uh, leading the way with that. I mean, look at, and, 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 and look at Chris, like, wow. Yeah. yeah you know, crazy. what a cover. You know, we have um, a grandmaster, Cynthia Rothrock, mm-hmm. but, but, but women on that cover is still very far and few mm-hmm. in between. So the Women's Martial Arts Network is looking forward to the day that when you say a martial artist, you know, it is a mosaic mm-hmm. of people yeah. practicing yeah. in a, for a mosaic of reasons. You know, you don't have to be a superstar. And that's, you know, what we're trying to get across as the Women's Martial Arts Network. You don't have to be a superstar. But congratulations, Chris, you're the best. (laughs) Um, But you don't have to be a superstar, you know, to to practice the martial arts because of so many values Mm. that you could derive from it. So um, some organizations only decorate women with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And, and although they are, some of them can be female oriented, they are still imitating a platform, Mm -hmm. you know, that is, is, uh, is still operating in a silo. How many women, like, like how long would a practitioner have to wait a female practitioner before she's recognized after 30 years Mm. like that's that's not the world we live in anymore people are not going to give you 30 40 and 50 years of the martial arts Mm. you have to make it really you have to compress it you cannot people are not lifers i call the golden age of martial arts lifers Mm. people are not voluntarily walking in um, to dojos and going to stay there for 40 years, it's not going to happen anymore. It's not going to happen. That's just the world that we live in. People are now able to, to study so many different arts and to sample. Once upon a time, you actually had to perhaps go to Japan. You had to go, you know, to study various arts in the Orient, in the East, wherever. Now, no, you better make your hour really compact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody, you know, with the cost of living, no one can stay in the dojo with you four or five hours a day, three, four, five times. It's, it's, yeah. it's impractical for our lifestyle at this point. So what's the, what does the future hold for uh, the Women's Martial Art Network? Are you deferring the, the meeting till next year? Or are you just kind of press pause for now and see what happens when, when we, when we wake up out of this and, and, and blink out into the streets and it, the dust settled. I mean, could be a so we're building. Goal. So we're building, we're building, um, we're building our community um, using, you know, the distance and, and the virtual learning as everyone else is. And what you can expect is to find more chapters around the world of women in the martial arts. We're talking the sisters in India and France and the Caribbean. And and we're just so excited because we're going to do a world conference of women in the martial arts. And our goal is for each one of us to find our replacements. 
Wonderful. Well, we're both, um, I have an appointment with my daughter who needs someone to help when she's doing her squats in a minute. So, and you're a great oh, right. person. So, Jerry Chisholm, Lady Sensei, it has been an absolute delight to speak to you again. And, thank you so um, much, Professor. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes. <laughs>